that there is nothing in state law that says Zuckerbuck's grants are illegal. There is nothing in state law that specifically allows election managers to go ahead and use outside money. Welcome to Wisconsin in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask that you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes of Wisconsin in Focus. Now here's your host, Bruce Walker. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the Wisconsin in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm not Bruce Walker. I'm Benjamin Yant, the Wisconsin correspondent here for the Center Square Newswire service. Wisconsin in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That includes old episodes of this. Weird week this week. We are we are taping this podcast here on Friday, June the 3rd, and Bruce is taking some much-deserved time off. So, fortunately or unfortunately, you are stuck with just me, but as we have joked for months, I can easily fill the time. It was a relatively slow start to the week here in Wisconsin. As the summer tends to be getting into June, we are really state government is not doing much. Lawmakers have gone home for the year. They've been home since about February or March, and everyone is waiting for the November presidential election. But that doesn't mean there is nothing going on. In fact, we got an update to the story that we've been talking about for months here on Wisconsin in Focus, and that is the investigation, the questions, the controversy swirling around the November 2020 election. The update this week came from a judge in Dane County. And usually that means in Wisconsin, a liberal judge. And while this may very well be a liberal judge making a ruling that will make liberals happy, it is not the only ruling on Zuckerbucks that reinforces the general point that there is nothing in state law that says Zuckerbucks grants are illegal. There is nothing in state law that says they are legal. There is nothing in state law that specifically allows election managers to go ahead and use outside money to do whatever it is that they want. But the judge in this case said there is nothing that specifically prohibits it either. And that's the important part. We filed this story a couple of days, uh, a couple of days ago, and the, the headline: Dane County Judge Zuckerbucks not specifically banned under Wisconsin law. Judge Stephen Elk is the judge's name in Madison. If you're looking to keep the scorecard at home, he ruled against the latest challenge to the money from the Center for Tech and Civic Life. That's the Mark Zuckerberg funded group that played a huge role in several swing states across the country back in 20. Spending about a half a billion dollars nationally. Here in Wisconsin, it was about $9 million, and the vast majority of that going to the Zuckerberg Five Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Racine, and Kenosha. And the challenge in this specific case came from the Thomas More Society. And lawyers for Thomas More tried to lay out a, a stair step, a dominoes argument. That they essentially said there's nothing in state law that allows for these grants. There's also nothing in state law that allows for ballot drop boxes. Therefore, both shouldn't be allowed. And because it was in Madison, a Zuckerbucks grant that helped pay for the ballot drop boxes, there was this 
air, this accusation, this claim of quid pro quo or just outright bribery. The judge, again, Stephen Elk, came back and said, the quote in the story, certainly nothing in state law prohibits clerks from using private grant money or working with outside consultants in the performance of their duties. And this has been the argument from Democrats in Wisconsin, defenders of the 2020 election in Wisconsin for the better part of two years. Their argument boils down to, well, it's essentially not illegal. It may not be technically legal, but it's not specifically illegal. So therefore, we can do it. And that argument covers all manners of things with the absentee ballot mass mailing, Zuckerbucks, the ballot drop boxes, the, 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 the sudden spike in indefinitely confined voters, which meant people didn't have to provide any of their voter ID to cast a ballot in that 2020 election. All of these things were not specifically addressed in Wisconsin law. Some of them were permitted by the Wisconsin Elections Commission, despite the fact that they were not specifically permitted in Wisconsin state law. And that has a lot of conservatives in the state continuing to be upset and angry. And there were a number of people hoping that the Thomas More lawsuit would ring true, that the judge would rule against the Zuckerbucks. And that would then fuel the Gableman investigation, which is seeking to find out just how cozy this relationship between the Center for Tech and Civic Life and these election managers in the Zuckerberg Five were. That case, by the way, still pending. Still waiting for judges to decide about subpoenas, still waiting for judges to decide about the authority of the special election investigation office. That's not going to change anytime soon. But this is the fourth time now that a judge has refused to hear, has turned down, has dismissed a challenge about these Zuckerbucks grants. Judge in Green Bay did it right before the 2020 election. Wisconsin Supreme Court did it. Uh, right after the election, a federal judge had dismissed a third case against the Zuckerbucks last year. So now this is the fourth time that Republicans, conservatives, challengers of the 2020 election have lost. And there's really no path forward, except Wisconsin lawmakers have now twice tried to specifically outlaw Zuckerbucks. They have specifically written legislation that would say, no, you cannot use outside grant money. You cannot partner with an outside nonprofit or profit or firm or anyone that the election managers in that state, in that county, in that community, they have to work with in their own budgets. That was one of the many election integrity reform laws that Governor Evers vetoed twice, once last year and then once again this year. And so Zuckerbuck's like so much that is surrounding the 2020 election remains to be determined. We know what happened in the past. We know what happened in 2020. There's still a window open for 2022. And if there is a Republican governor after the November elections, we know what will happen for 2024. Now, one more wrinkle to this story. On the same day that the judge issued his ruling, a reporter in Madison asked that city's mayor, Satya Rhodes-Conway, who has been a huge defender of the Zuckerbucks program, who has claimed all along that questions about the 2020 election are nothing more than a partisan witch hunt. Reporter caught up with her and asked her whether she is going to apply for any sort of election grant this year, there is, after all, a statewide 
election coming up in November. There's a primary in August and a statewide general election in November. And the mayor said, no, there are no plans right now to ask anybody for any kind of an election grant. Her, her, her response was, well, in 2020, we looked to help with the pandemic. The concern was the coronavirus, according to Madison's mayor. And she said this year, there's not so much of a concern. There are quite a number of conservatives on Twitter who are pointing out that this is one of the once-in-a-lifetime coincidences that just sort of happened in November of 2020 that all benefited Joe Biden. The one time, one election that would be razor thin in Wisconsin. A group with liberal ties comes along and spends millions of dollars only in liberal cities and all of those cities see turnout that helps Joe Biden. Now, 2022, when it's not going to be as close, there is no need to go and get the grants. So the question about Zuckerbucks, the questions about the 2020 election are not going anywhere, which I guess is good news for us here on Wisconsin in Focus, because pretty much every week we know we can roll back and talk about it. One of the stories that we filed just here today on this Friday when we are recording the podcast is an update to a story that not only made huge headlines here in Wisconsin, but made national headlines and not just because schools are going woke in 2022. Keel schools sort of on the way up to Green Bay or Ashwabanon, if you've got your map out. Keel schools. Send a note home to parents Thursday night explaining that they have closed their misgendering investigation into three middle school boys. These were the eighth graders who were facing a sexual harassment investigation because, according to one of their moms, they refused to use the they them pronouns for another student. In fact, the story is that this other student, the they them student, was screaming at a student demanding to be referred to as they, them. And one of these under investigation preteens said, look, you can't do that. We don't, you can't force us to use this language that set off the dominoes. There was a title nine investigation, sexual harassment investigation, bullying investigation. Well, that investigation is now closed. School districts note home to parents began We are writing to share with you that consistent with our board policies and procedures, we have issued clear directives and expectations to all students involved in this matter for the purpose of preventing bullying and harassment and ensuring a safe and supportive learning environment for all of our students. Based on these actions and pursuant to the district's policies and procedures, the school district considers this matter closed. Now, there are a couple of things. One, at no point in this letter to parents, do they talk about misgendering? Instead, Keel schools are looking to frame this as a harassment or a bullying investigation, this idea of a supportive learning environment for all of our students. Number of parents point out, well, except for these three young men. Two, there is no mention as to what happened with this investigation. There is no mention as to whether these students are facing any discipline. There is no mention as to what sort of evidence was collected. Were there interviews done? Was someone brought in from the outside? There is no mention of what happens now. Are these young men going to be allowed to move on to high school? Are they going to be under the microscope in high school? Is this policy in Keel going to change? We don't know that. 
Now, one of the things that we have to talk about right off the bat when we talk about this investigation in Tequila schools is the response was not just anger. As you would expect, a lot of parents took a look at this and say, this is what this is what we're doing in public schools now. Unfortunately, there were also some parents, and not just in Wisconsin, but across the country, who were very, very angry, almost too angry, certainly too angry. Keel schools faced a solid week of bomb threats. Kids didn't finish their last week of, of school in there because there were so many threats to the school district. Uh, the FBI arrested a man in California for threatening to kill someone who works in Keel schools. That is bad. I, I, I know that here, journalistic podcasts, you're supposed to not go and become conservative talk show hosts or liberal talk show hosts. But I think that we can all say, I think we can all agree that threatening to kill someone over a bad school policy is stupid. It's dumb. It shouldn't happen. That that Keel schools did something that, that parents questioned. But universally, no one is accepting the idea of, of making school threats. So you have that hanging out. And that was part of the reason while, why the, the school district said it ended the investigation, that it, it, it simply had a concern for its school workers. They, of course, doubled down on this idea of protecting all students with this paragraph here. The Keele Area School District prohibits all forms of bullying and harassment in accordance with all laws, including Title IX, and will continue to support all students regardless of race, color, religion, national origin, ancestry, creed, pregnancy, marital status, parental status, sexual orientation, sex, including transgender status, change of sex or gender identity, or physical, mental, emotional, and learning disability protected classes, as they put it, in any of its students' programs, activities, consistent with board policy and the law. Now, Luke Bergover at the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, which had stepped up to defend these three young men from this harassment investigation, said, look, this isn't about Title IX. This is not about marital status. This is not about physical or emotional or learning disabilities. The investigation in Keel was always a question of free speech. His quote, we're pleased school area, or the Keel area school district finally ended its misguided Title IX investigation. While the district's statement attempts to frame the investigation, it was always primarily about mispronouning. The district may not be willing to admit it publicly, but it is recognized that it has no legal basis to determine that these children refrain from mispronouning other students. Title IX was created so that there would be some equity, equality in women's sports. There was a really good ESPN 30 for 30 on this years ago, back when Title IX, I think, turned 40 years old. And one of the stories that they told was there was a woman who played, I think it may have been Pat Summit, the, the, the coach at the University of Tennessee, legendary female basketball coach, women's basketball coach. And she said that when she was in school, one of the teammates hurt her ankle. And the doctor, of course, wasn't with the women's team. It was with the men's team. So they called him up. And the doctor said, well, tell the girl to go soak her foot in the toilet. It'd be cold water. It'll help her. That was the idea of Title IX, to make sure that there was ice and bags and trainers and some parity, to make sure that it wasn't just all for the men's sports. Congress has not changed the law on Title IX. The Wisconsin legislature certainly hasn't changed the law on Title IX. 
the interpretations of Title IX through the Department of Education, through the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. This is where the change comes. And so this is just setting up yet another potential hurdle. I'm promising you that there will be more schools who will have more of these kinds of cases. 100% the battle over gender, the questions over gender, the questions over policies as to who gets to decide on gender, parents or schools, these are percolating. We filed a story on Thursday about the Kettle Moraine School District, which is Wow County-ish, Waukesha judge ruled against Kettle Moraine's policy that allowed for secret gender transformations at schools. A couple of parents sued, saying that the school was hiding gender changes from them and refusing to go along with their wishes, which was to have their 12-year-old daughter called a girl and use her female name. The judge said what is at the heart of all of these cases, that Wisconsin state law is clear that parents have the right to make decisions regarding the education and upbringing of their children, quote, free from government intervention. And this is where all of these questions about gender are headed. This is where all of the uncertainty between school district policy, direction from the White House, federal law and state law, this is where they're all headed. They're all headed for courtrooms. And just like I feel we say almost all the time, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. Quickly, another bit of breaking news that we don't get to do very often here on a podcast. Podcasts are sort of reactive, right? If things happen and then you sit down and you talk about them, you don't get to do breaking news. I feel like I'm back in my radio days. Uh, on Thursday night, the Republican race for governor in Wisconsin changed. Former President Trump endorsed Tim Michaels. Michaels is, of course, the wealthy construction manager who lived out east for a while. We'll get to that maybe here in a little bit. But the decision to back Michaels comes over a decision to back the Republican frontrunner and former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish and over the endorsement of Tim or sorry, uh, Kevin Nicholson, who was running is still is running as the outsider trying to connect with sort of the Trump base. Uh, the former president told Michaels that he has his complete and total endorsement and said the, the statement, Wisconsin needs a governor who will stop inflation, uphold the rule of law, strengthen our borders, and end the well-documented fraud in our elections, the president said in his statement last Thursday. Tim Michaels is the best candidate to deliver meaningful solutions to these problems, and he will produce jobs like no one else can even imagine. Michaels on Friday morning said it's going to be a tremendous boost to his campaign because politicos in this state have been talking for months that this is a relatively close race and a Trump endorsement may be just enough to tip the scales. We have not had a Marquette Law School poll since Tim Michaels joined the field, but the last Marquette Law School poll showed Rebecca Clayfish, and this is why we refer to her as the front runner, way ahead of the field. Kevin Nicholson was polling in the single digits. Tim Ramtham's support is dwindling. Rebecca Clayfish had about 23, 25% of the vote in that Marquette Law School poll. Now, undecided, of course, led, but we're waiting to see just how much support there is for Michaels at the grassroots level. A couple of weeks ago, there was the Wisconsin Republican State Convention in Madison, 
and Clayfish made a bid for the state party endorsement. You had to get 60% of the votes from delegates in order to get that endorsement. She got 55%. Nicholson, again, got in the single digits. Michaels got less than that. We're talking 2 or 3%. And so the question is, Donald Trump's endorsement clearly is going to help Tim Michaels, but how much will it help? How much support does he have on the ground? He's been spending an awful lot of money. You can't turn on the television or turn on the radio or watch a video on YouTube without seeing a Tim Michaels for governor ad. And that has boosted his name recognition. But I've heard from several people who say the support still isn't there among the grassroots. And in fact, that's what the front runner, Rebecca Clayfish, the former lieutenant governor, said after Trump's endorsement, which she would have loved to have. Kevin Nicholson would have loved to have the endorsement as well. Tim Ramthan essentially launched his campaign falsely believing that he had the president's endorsement. This now probably closes the door on him for good. But Clayfish said, look, this is going to be a race that is won with the grassroots. Republican voters will go off to make their decision in August and we'll have to wait and see there. The biggest outside of outside of the Trump endorsement, the biggest claim to fame that Michaels had before that was that he had a lot of money. He is personally very wealthy and has been spending money hand over fist on television ads and radio ads and Internet ads, and <laughs> direct to mail ads. Uh, and and that's going to be needed because the the Democratic Party, uh, as uh, on cue, has raised an awful lot of money for Governor Evers. He had the last report ten million dollars in his campaign reelection fund, and he had another twenty one million dollar pledge from the Democratic Governors Association just for this state to spend on his reelection effort. So whoever the Republican is, they are going to have to have a lot of money in order to keep up with the, 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 the current governor, Tony Evers. Uh, they're they're going to have to find a way to, to counter all of the cash that he is going to spend. So this, like so many other things that we have talked about today, I figured, I think the, the, the subtitle for today's Wisconsin in Focus podcast should be to be determined. But uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is an interesting one. We now will wait to see if everybody stays in the race. We will now wait to see for the next Marquette Law School poll. We will now wait to see in the race for governor. Well, that's about all the time we have. Thank you so much for taking some time and joining us here on Wisconsin in Focus. Bruce and I will be back next week. 